that we do not learn from our mistakes. She's falling in love with a monster man. She's falling in love with a monster man. She's falling in love with a monster man. Okay, welcome to Summer Twilight Book Club. We're just two dumb bitches reading four garbage books. I'm Kat. I'm Sahana. Thanks for listening. So last week, what what happened, Sahana? Anything? Honestly, pretty much nothing. I feel like you don't really need to have read the first four chapters of Twilight to know what's going on in Twilight. So if you're just joining us, you're okay. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah. I think... There was some rain last week. There's a character named Bella. There's a guy named Edward, and he's kind of fucking weird. Yeah, and that brings a... us. That brings us to chapter five. So chapter five. The chapter title is Blood Type, and I'm assuming that all y'all can guess what the main conflict of this chapter might be. What is it, so, Katie? Well, I don't think it has anything to do with blood. Not even a little bit. Nope. So Bella starts the day in a haze because of the weird shit Edward said to her at the end of the last chapter. So she walks into lunch and is very disappointed to find that Edward is not in his usual seat. She is so overwhelmingly bummed that she cannot eat. She only buys a lemonade, which she You know, sadness drink. Sadness drink. (laughs) It's the closest thing she can find to white boy tears. Okay, but then Jessica points out that Edward is staring at her from across the room because inviting her to sit in a normal way is just too much for him. He has to just stare at her until she fucking notices. I'm sorry. I just want to pause us to say that he does not just stare at her from across the cafeteria. Stephanie Meyer is very clear that what Edward Cullen does in this moment is to stare at her and then motion to her with his index finger. Which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard, because I have to tell you, as I was reading this, I was imagining a teenage boy, like a pimply teenage boy in a lunchroom (laughs) doing the come hither motion with his hand. And I just... (laughs) You weren't a word immediately? (laughs) You know what? Actually, Katie, you've done it. You found um, the thing for me. It's people beckoning to me in the lunchroom with a come-hither motion. So... Like a goddamn pickup artist. Apparently, in the... Apparently, okay, this is a weekly thing. It's a weekly segment where I point out things that I didn't realize when I was younger. You know, last week, there's the words I didn't know how to pronounce. (laughs) What is it this week? So this week... So... When I was younger, and by younger I mean up until about 20, I never realized that pointer fingers were also called index fingers. <laughs> Did you I think d- they were two different fingers? No. Well, they are, because your index fingers are also your ring fingers. So, like, these what? are also... Your wait, 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 fingers wait. are called index fingers. I'm sorry. Your ring finger is also an index finger? I was taught it that way, at least. And I, so, okay, <laughs> hold on. I'm calling bullshit on that. That's not a real thing. Well, I might be real. This might be next week's version. So, I well, think you're right. I think I was lied to. It. <laughs> <laughs> I have four things this week that I didn't know before. 
Honestly, this is just going to become a segment now. Katie realizes things. Um, I'm so mad. Someone told me that the that the ring finger is also called the index finger, and I'm just finding I, it now. Katie, it's not true. Katie, someone <laughs> bullshitted you. I'm so sorry. You Anyways, got fucked with. So the, for the first twenty five point what eight years of my life, oh, I man. thought that the ring finger was the index finger as I just found out and so I always imagined these things I was like why do they keep saying that like who does this <laughs> well so now now I'm finger, imagining that's how you finger a girl <laughs> <laughs> you finger a girl with your ring finger that's <laughs> you don't do come either her yeah these two that's how I do it I use my ring finger my middle finger well now everyone listening to this podcast knows exactly like how you like to finger someone. I finger on, more women than you do. Anyways. I, that's true. That is true. Um, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> After Edward stopped mimicking <laughs> fingering her in the air, <laughs> she comes over and uh, he just says some weird cryptic bullshit to her about how he's already given up on what he said this morning and he's just going to let himself be around her. And Bella's just, like, confused and bored. She's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, what do you think I'm talking about? And she's like, what are you? Like, what are you? The way that white men ask me, what are you? Yeah. (laughs) So, like, what are you? So, like... Probably like that. It was probably... Similar sentiment. And then he's like, what do you think I am? Uh, and then she's like, uh, I don't know, like a superhero? Like, are you Peter Parker? But like, hot? Like, Tom Holland hot? And then he's like, uh, nah, I'm not. And then she's like, well, I don't know what else you are, because she didn't just read the back of the fucking book where everyone else finds out that Edward's a vampire. Immediately upon receiving the novel. The back of the book, Bella. Just fucking look. Just turn around. It's probably on your underwear. So, like, Edward's, like, bye, Bella. I'm skipping biology. It's good for you to skip biology. And I'm like, I agree, because my biology teacher made us eat styrofoam peanuts in class. (laughs) Don't go to biology, kids. Your weird environmentalist teacher will make you eat biodegradable packing peanuts. But Bella is too lawful, so she goes to class, and they're doing blood typing, which is somehow a thing that they do in force. Okay, listen. Without parental permission this or has, anything. This has baffled me since we were in high school. Like, I read this book in probably 7th or 8th grade, and this really set me up to believe that when I got to high school, I was going to be forced to poke myself in the hand for the sake of science. Yeah. Biology was horrifying. I mean, uh, this it's so bothered me for years. If anyone listening to this had to do this in class, please tell us. You can guess in our next episode. So, Bella, as the Victorian lady that she is, just, like, passes out. And so, like, her loyal servant, Mike, you know, picks her up and carries her until her trusty stalker, Edward's like, nah, I got it from here, bruh. So, she gets to the office, she's basically fine, but then another kid gets brought in, Tyler, the car crash kid. How? This, listen, he's a body count on this lab! (laughs) But they just keep doing year after year, they're like, who cares, kids will pass out, it's a good time. (laughs) So, he comes in, like... And Edward's like, Bella, don't look. 
I'll protect you from seeing it because apparently Tyler got his fucking like carotid or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Just fucking oh, bleeding know. all over the place. We have no idea what happened to Tyler. All we all we always leave Tyler like laying down, like laid out in a nurse's office. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't Tyler also? Uh, he was in the car that hit Bella. He was right? in the hospital bed next to her. Thank you. Tyler's just fucking... He's he's not doing so great. Every morning, I break my arms. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. So, fucking glass bones and paper skin. So, anyways, Mike is back in the scene, and he's like, Hey, Bella, you all right? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, oh, cool. Well, you're fine. So let's go on this midwinter beach trip. Because, like, no time to ask on a girl like she's trapped, especially to a mid-winter beach Listen, trip. Listen, as somebody who now lives in the Pacific Northwest, the idea of a mid-winter beach trip sounds miserable. Like, it is 30 degrees and so wet. Yeah, it's like that here. Well, I guess it's not mid-winter. It's, like, early winter. It's fucking rainy and cold as shit. So, anyways, she says, yeah. And then she's like, Edward, you want to go? And he's like, nah. And then he's like, I'm going to get the nurse to get you out of gym class. And then I'm going to take you home. And she's like, nah, I'm going to drive. And he's like, no, bitch. I'm going to drag you across this fucking parking lot Mm. and bring Mm -mm. you home. You will go home and you will watch The Price is Right if you (laughs) go to bed. And then he does that. He, like, forces her home because that's a cool, nice thing to do. Mm -hmm. Super casual. And then they get the car, and she's like, is this a classical music? Excuse me. Is this a piano? (laughs) Oh, no, fuck. Clearly, it's a clarinet. Whoops. Oh. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, it's a clarinet. And then she's like, I love a clarinet. And he's like, bitch, I love a clarinet. Are you sure you're 17? I'm sorry. Is a clarinet a euphemism for his penis? (laughs) Oh god. Uh then he like asks her a bunch of stuff about her parents. Yep. And then he's like, by the way, like I'm going hiking this weekend. Uh just like a cool normal thing to do with my brother. We're definitely not hunting anything. Just uh guys being dudes. And then the chapter's over. Okay. Can we talk about our favorite moments from this chapter? I yeah, you know what? I have a really good one. Okay, I, I'm going to go first because I want to know if you have the same one as me. Mine is when Edward says, what if I'm not a superhero? What if I'm the bad guy? And I just need you all to know that all I can think of in that moment is the fucking I am the danger moment <laughs> for Breaking Bad. Okay, like, this okay, is wait, all. Wait, 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 wait. So Walter White doing the come hither. Oh, oh no. Katie, I thought you also, loved just me. Just so you all know that we are on webcam right now. Whenever I, whenever I say come hither, I'm doing the my ring finger come hither at some. Oh, oh, your index finger? <laughs> Katie's, Katie is fingering the air uh, every time anyone talks about the come hither motion. Um, I just, okay, imagining... Brian Cranston as Edward Cullen <laughs> really makes this moment lose its gravity. <laughs> I, 
Oh man, I think uh, I think this preceded. No longer getting your preteen panties wet. You know, I think no. that I think that this book might have preceded. I am the danger, and it doesn't matter. It's still too much for me. So my what if yeah they actually stole it from this. Um, so my favorite moment is not that. My favorite moment. Okay, so I mentioned earlier she's sitting there at the table and Everett's saying weird shit and he's all like, I don't know, he's just bullshitting at her and she's bored. And I say she was bored because the actual thoughts inside her head at this part are, I waited for him to say something that made sense. The seconds ticked by. (laughs) Oh my god. Literally, the fucking shade of it. Like, she's not sipping lemonade, she's sipping tea over here. But, oh my god, it was so funny. The seconds ticked by. Bella is... Bella does not give a fuck about Edward, and yet she's just like, but he's so pretty. Bella is such a bitch, and I love it. He sucks so hard, but he's so pretty. That's what she's saying the whole time. And the whole time. And I, you know, I oh, think... Oh, God. Go what? ahead. No. no. Okay. I just remembered something, but it's completely off. You go ahead. Okay. Are you sure? Are you going to be able to hold I'm positive. It? I can okay. hold it. I think that uh, this discussion of Bella and her character is a good lead-in to our first ever Red Flag of the Week... Um, which is our weekly moment from the book that any moderately self-aware person would recognize as a giant fucking red flag. Uh, however, our horrifying excuse for a human protagonist, Bella, seems to interpret these things, uh, in a way that causes her to at best ignore them or at worst actively romanticize them. Um, and I would just like to say that my red flag of the week is just the whole back end of this fucking chapter. Just the whole thing. Oh, God. Like, the whole part where he's just like, I'm gonna drag you across <coughs> the parking lot like a nice, friendly dude. Yeah. Um. There is a part of this chapter where she talks about how she's actively plotting her escape. Oh, where she's calculating her chances of escaping Uh, from him? Yes, and his response is, uh, don't even bother because I'll just drag you back here. You know, but like in a hot way. Yeah, concerning to no one. I just... Like, is this... I don't understand. Why did teenagers think this was hot? We thought it was hot. Yeah, we did. I'm really... I'm really worried. I for thought us. it was. I thought it was so hot. I remember, like, at the beginning of the chapter when Edward just was like, "Oh, how you doing?" or whatever. But like, I don't remember what he was saying. I okay. Like, there's a part of the oh, beginning of the oh, chapter where no, I know what it was. It was the come hither thing when he was like sitting there looking at her, waiting and okay, like, whatever. I was like, oh, to be oh, fair, the as somebody, as someone who look, knew like, you, mm-hmm. as someone who knew you at age fifteen, that would have worked on you at fifteen. Oh, oh yeah, would have. And I say that as though it would not have also worked on me. Because it would have. It would have. And I think, honestly, that that is indicative of how, like, wild the posturing in this book is. Like, I just, the thing where he says, like, in the same breath, 
He tells her that he's not a good friend for her and that if she knew it was good for him, she'd stay away from him. But then also that he's tired of staying away from her. So like, oh, what? It, what it, this is just like, it seems like such a blatant attempt at this, like, I'm a bad boy posturing you know yeah, but that shit worked on us oh god i dated when i was 15 my boyfriend was like such an edgelord like who are he you always talking about, about my he always talked about my aura and like would inform who f- me <laughs> who the fuck did you date that talked about your aura and would inform me about like He's like, I have an old spirit. You have a young spirit. Like, excuse it might, me. It might. <laughs> oh, I don't know how you don't know who I'm talking about. I. I'll give you a hint. I wore his Halo Three hoodie every single day. And he wore his trench coat. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> And he would always, like, say shit like that to me, though, like, but, like, in a way where he was, like, oh, like, I shouldn't be with someone with a young soul like yours, and mine is old, and, like, whatever. Like, what Edward, a, I guess. What a great segue into another horrifying red flag, which is when Edward asks Bella how old she is. Oh, God. And then when she says that she's 17, he tells her that she does not seem 17, which is such... Like, blatant predatory grooming? Yeah, that's also... Let's just keep talking about people I used to date. That's what that 24-year-old I was fucking when I was 17 said to me, too. Yikes. Bad. 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 Uh, All just, ladies listening, bad. All bad. men listening, bad. off. Bad. Bad. Um, you know, that's really where the chapter ends. I do want to touch on one real quick thing before uh-huh, we move on, though. Uh-huh. And it is that Bella doesn't seem 17 because she says things... Actually, no, let me let me step back. Bella doesn't seem like she's 17 because she's not. Much like Edward, she is older than she is. She is actually a 50-year-old wine aunt who says things like, Mike Schmike. Mike Schmike. These youngsters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're right. I'm gonna oh. pass out like an old Victorian lady. I mean, I thought Edward was from Victorian times, but I think I think Bella Bella is a vodka aunt. Bella is everyone's vodka aunt. Ugh. Tell okay. me, tell me about chapter two. Oh. Or wait, not two, six. six. The second chapter. <laughs> the second two. chapter. Okay, so I don't, y'all. This is this is a lot. So I, just sit down if you're not sitting. Uh, this chapter opens with Bella lamenting about how shitty school is when Edward's not there because who cares about a decent public education when your hot undead <laughs> soon-to-be lover isn't there to distract you with how wet you are for him constantly. We were not. We were not there for nope. that good education without nope. someone there. With our, our hot undead lovers there. Alright. So her friends notice that she's been spending more time with Edward and she pretends that nothing is going on. Apparently Can this one bitch Lauren is mad about it. Bella surmises that she must be jealous, which is a super cool appraisal of one of the only other named female characters in this book. I also want to really fight you on that word friends. <laughs> Bella does not have friends. <laughs> she's not here Bella to make friends. People. She's here to win, bitch! <laughs> Basically, Bella has people she is sometimes near. 
She has workplace proximity associates. That is literally, <laughs> that is Bella Swan. Um, Dwight Schrute, I'm sorry, Bella Swan. Uh, the rest of this chapter is dedicated to the gang's trip to First Beach, which is on the LaPush Reservation, just outside of Forks. Uh, and Bella talks about going there with her dad when she was a kid. She wastes no time reminding us that every teenage boy in the town of Forks is in love with her. Uh, and an unnecessarily specific description of every car the gang is taking to the beach and precisely <laughs> where each person is sitting because that's the information I wanted. This is my smart car. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Uh, so Bella and the gang arrive at the beach. They decide to go on a hike in the forest. And honestly, Katie, I feel like some of the most compelling descriptive yes. writing that we've gotten in the entire book is just the description of the fucking beach. Good. That is... <clears throat> it was legitimately good, y'all. I was sitting there reading it, and I was like, dang, maybe this book actually isn't as bad as I remember it. And it's, like, it's wild, because for, like, three pages, it's these beautiful descriptions, and then we just go right back to Bella telling us that she's the only girl to go on the hike, just in case any of us have forgotten that she <laughs> is not like other girls. Okay, I was flipping through the, my book to try to find some of the descriptions to read out loud, but then I found something she said about that bitch who doesn't like her. Mm -hmm. And it literally, she says, that one gave me a dirty look. That one. And I'm like, and I'm like Bella, I don't know um, what you're thinking, but like maybe people don't like you because you refer to them as that one. <laughs> because you're a bitch. Bella's a stone cold bitch. Um, so Bella, yeah, Bella goes on this hike. Uh, I think she decides to go essentially because no other girls are going. Um, and so they... Literally. Explicitly. <laughs> so they come back from the hike and Bella and the gang are introduced to some of the boys who live on the res, um, who Bella unsurprisingly describes in a pseudo-fetishizing way because that's the book we're reading. Pseudo. I was not... I was being generous. Um, like with friends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the youngest of these boys takes an interest in Bella because apparently every human man does. Uh, and we very quickly find out that he is none other than our shaggy anti-hero, our loyal pet, man's best friend, Jacob Black. And this bitch's best friend. I was team Jacob all the oh, way Oh, I was, up. I was team Edward. I know mm. you were. We fought about it. <laughs> I'm sure we did. Oh, man. So, at first, Bella's annoyed that this shaggy dog recognizes that she's Charlie's daughter, but then she quickly realizes that she used to be friends with his sisters, and Jacob tells her that one of his sisters has moved to Hawaii to live with a Samoan surfer, which we can all safely assume means that she's married to The Rock. I would just like to throw out there that I think now, canonically, Twilight and the entire Fast and Furious franchise definitely take place in the same universe. <laughs> so, we find out from one of the other tribe members that the Cullens don't come to La Push, um, and Bella intuits from his tone of voice that they aren't allowed there. So Bella decides to use her womanly wiles <laughs> to get information about the Cullens out of Jacob, and honestly, I cannot decide if that's horrifying or admirable. So, we are subjected to a painful, 
10 pages about oh, Bella she's sw- mimicking she's mimicking Edward to flirt with him. I just okay. It's we get 10 pages of Bella's piss poor attempts at flirting. But our favorite golden retriever is just a vulnerable little puppy. <laughs> so we find out black lab. Tons of useful information. Okay, Katie, are you ready for all of the information that we get in this chapter? I'm going to read us through it. There are. Wait, we finally we have so much exposition. It's I know. Wild. It is this this set of chapters was really unbalanced, team. Um, okay, so here is what we know from Jacob, who is just no match for Bella's flirting. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so Jacob tells us that there are legends that the Quaaludes are descended from wolves, and this is our first introduction in the oh. entire book to werewolf lore. Which I looked it up on Wikipedia because I figured when I first read that I was like. That seems incredibly weird and racist. <laughs> and then I looked it up. <laughs> but I looked it up, and according to Wikipedia, that's like an actual lore. Like, Stephanie Meyer did some amount of research. Like, she had to research. She was like, where can I place this book where there I have some requirements? I need there to be clouds. I need there to be... <laughs> I need it to be cold. And I need there to be... Some group that was descended from wolves. I I honestly, honestly, I can't decide if it's better or worse that she did the research and then appropriated a native tradition, or if it would have... It's terrible. It's terrible either way. She's fetishing the shit out of it. Okay. Fetishizing the shit out of it. Like, she's just bastardizing it. So... and they're Christian. I thought that was weird too because she made up another myth about them about how they were like just like uh Noah was in it. And I, I was like I, I don't know. Why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember what you're talking about. There's a thing about a flood. I'm getting to that. So the oh. Quaaludes <coughs> Apparently the Quaaludes. The Quaaludes. <laughs> <Qui-ludes? laughs> I don't know. Um, they have some kind of feud with the cold ones, which I think we can assume happened when someone was trying to crack one of them open with the boys. Oh, God damn it. It's okay. It's okay. I hate me too. Um, so Jacob's great grandfather was the tribal elder that made the treaty with the cold ones to keep them off the reservation. Uh, we also learned that the cold ones are the natural enemy of the werewolf. Um, and that the pack of cold ones that came to Jacob's great-grandfather didn't hunt in the same way the other cold ones did. They hunt animals instead of people. Also, it's important to know that at this point, we know that Edward and Emmett are hiking in a place that Charlie has told Bella is good for hunting. Hmm, intriguing. So, they made a truce. The cold ones stay off the reservation, and the tribe, and I quote, wouldn't expose them to the pale faces. Yes, it does actually use the phrase pale face, which is... Thanks, Stephanie Meyer. I don't have a reaction to that. Um, So Bella guesses that this pack might have been the Cullens, and Jacob confirms that they are indeed the very same. And then we get the big reveal. Here it is. Are you ready? Bella asks... Okay, wait. What are the gold ones? That's the same question that Bella had. And Jacob confirms to her that they're vampires. And we don't 
get Bella's reaction to this information. We don't. She literally has no reaction. She Keep says in mind that Bella has been touched by the Collins many times, and every time she's like, "Wow, he's so cold. <laughs> he's so he's so cold. Oh wow." Uh, she literally just says that she has goosebumps and has to work hard to hide her reaction and doesn't tell us what that reaction is. Uh, and then the chapter just ends, the chapter just ends with everyone per usual being overly concerned with who or who is not Bella's boyfriend. And we don't actually get much of Bella's reaction to that at all. (coughs) Speaking, speaking on that note with the who's dating who and everyone being just like random weird high school drama that's just off to the side constantly happening in the background. My favorite part in this chapter was like Bella was talking about Lauren being like jealous of something and she's like Bella thinks she didn't sound like she thought it was nice at all and her pale fishy eyes narrowed. What the fuck type of description is that? Why are fishy eyes? eyes are fishy? I don't know what that means. I don't know. Are they the side of her head? Like. <laughs> oh my god. I, I tried to imagine what that person looked like, and I was like, I have no idea. I'm just thinking of, you know, Pearl from SpongeBob? I'm just thinking of <laughs> Pearl from SpongeBob. Oh my god. Canon, Lauren is a whale. Um. <laughs> Um, okay, my favorite moment is something that you actually already pointed out, which is that every single one of Bella's attempts at flirting is an attempt to imitate Edward. She's like, if I just do the things that Edward does when he looks at me, then Jacob won't be able to resist me. And it is so funny. It's so funny. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm looking at my chapter notes, y'all. And I forgot that there was, I said out loud when I was reading the book, I was like, every once in a while, this book says something genuinely funny. And my roommate looks at me and goes, you should put that on the back cover. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, speaking of your chapter notes, Katie, could you um, lead us into chapter seven? What happens? I'm dying to know. I, I know. This uh, chapter is called Nightmare because it starts with a literal dreaming nightmare. Uh, um, that's not on the nose waking, at all. Has a waking nightmare in the middle and honestly ends with another waking nightmare. <laughs> so, like, the chapter starts with Bella throwing on her Walkman and listening to some heavy metal until she falls asleep. You know... Like a normal person. Yeah, because she's upset. So once she does, she dreams that, basically. Mike is a human, Jacob's a (laughs) werewolf, and Edward's a vampire. Hmm. Wonder where her subconscious got that idea. Nowhere important. (laughs) So once she wakes up, we're treated to every possible minute detail of her morning routine. Because editing is not something that exists in Stephanie Meyer's world. Oh my god. She then pulls up her favorite search engine <laughs> and searches only the world, only the word vampire. And I'd like to take a moment to interject and suggest that for such an excellent English student, as we're constantly reminded that Bella is, Bella has clearly never listened to the librarian's lecture on search terms. We got this lecture every single goddamn year, y'all. 
every year. I got it in college, too. It's, listen to your librarians, folks. They go to school for a reason, and they're there to help you. Yeah, they're there to help you figure out if your weird stalker is a vampire. They would help you do that. So Bella is angry that her first search term pulled up no helpful results. Instead of looking at, you know, more than one single website, she chooses to take an angry walk in the woods. Because she's... Because that's, get... that's what you do when you're a brooding teenager, Katie, don't you know? Yeah. But, like, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, in the woods, she has an intense Zuko-level internal battle <laughs> with herself about whether or not it would it could be true that Edward is a vampire. But then, of course, the more important question of, does she fucking care that he's a vampire? To which the answer is a resounding, nah. No. Nah, nah. Nah. Nah, nah really, bruh? So Bella spends the rest of her weekend being like the robotic level human being she is. But uh, the next day is pleased to find out that it's sunny outside. So Bella's in such a good mood, she actually interacts with humans in a purposeful way. What a novelty for Bella's one. Yeah. She rejects Mike for the billionth time. She agrees to go dress shopping with the girls that she, you know, mostly ignores. And her earth-shatteringly good mood is broken only by finding out that Edward and the rest of the Collins aren't in school today. What a tragedy. Bella is distraught, but determined to soak up the sunshine, so she reads Jane Austen on the grass. Then she becomes upset when she realizes that Jane Austen reminds her of Edward. (laughs) Oh my god! Because of the names. And definitely not the time period of setting. Nope, just the names. Doesn't sound like his youth at all. Nope. Nope. No foreshadowing there. None at all. Definitely not making it uh, clear that Bella's already into people of that time period. Nope. So the next day, she's devastated again to find out that she cannot have anything good without punishment. It's sunny again. But Edward isn't there. So she resigns herself to focusing on the shopping trip. And our chapter ends there. That is, oh man, what a chapter. So I would like to say my favorite moment of this chapter is literally just the drawn out description of how she Googles. I'm sorry. We don't know that it's Google. How she uses her her favorite favorite search search engine. Because we, you know, okay, let's be fair. We all have favorites. But if your favorite is not Google, what the fuck is wrong with you? So, Bella, I just, I love the description of the website she finds, which is a thousand percent like an early 2000s GeoCities website that some middle school goth girl made. Like, that is what this vampire... No, it wasn't like that. It was academic and then... But it should have been a 2000 City's website. I, I still really think that one. it was. Like, okay. Your also, brain produced that. I you know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I think about a website with a catalog of vampires on it, that's what comes to mind. Um, we, oh man. Okay, so, want to know? Oh, okay. Just, this, this bitch's first move is just to Google the word vampire, like not vampire lore or vampire forks Washington. And then she has the audacity to complain about how long it takes her to sift through the results. Like, also, I would like to say, 
Of all of the results, my favorite is absolutely gothic cosmetic companies. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh god. So, and I just okay. Also, the last thing I want to say about this <laughs> is that I did this, okay? I I after <laughs> I read this, I was like, I have to know. So I went on Google and I put in the I just Googled the word vampire, <laughs> and the first three things that come up are Wikipedia dictionary.com and encyclopedia britannica so essentially what i'm saying is that bella is extraordinarily bad at the internet that's so funny so my favorite speaking of people who are bad at things my favorite moment is with a gym teacher she mentions the gym teacher is doing a lecture on the rules of badminton right you know what you do in gym class but then at the end of the day she says that he didn't finish them, so they're going to go on to the next class period. So this fucking bitch can't even finish the rules I, of, of badminton within the constraints of one time I, class. What are How the, the rules of bad? Are the rules of badminton so complicated that they How would take complicated is badminton? I giggled at that for like three and a half minutes straight. And then I had to explain to my roommate out loud why I was laughing. And I was like, the rules of badminton take over over an hour to explain. Honestly, it's wild. Okay. Okay, my other favorite part of this chapter is my favorite part because it's a line that you used to say out loud. Oh, no. Oh, God. We've been calling me out as a youth. I'm going to call Sahana out. Do it, Katie. Call me out. Call me out. I'm ready. I remember distinctly you saying this out loud. She says to someone when telling him a secret that she will cheerfully beat him to death. And I remember Sahana being like, and if you tell anyone this, I'll cheerfully beat you to death. (laughs) Quoting... Twilight. I honestly, I have nothing. I have nothing to say to defend myself. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. I, I want you to know that I have no memory of ever saying that, and I can very easily see my 13 year old self thinking that that was very cool. I think you said it. I think Liz said it, and I think Chelsea said it. Yeah, that does sound like a thing. You don't know who those people are, but they were out there saying it in middle school. Oh, Make man. fun of them. Speaking of people that need some uh, reappraisal of their choices, I would like to lead us in to our first ever of my favorite segment, which is our holy shit Bella go to therapy moment of Wait, the week. Wait, so we're... But we're referred to that as reappraisal of our... That's what therapy is now. I mean, I guess. <laughs> reappraisal. Okay. So, I am so excited to introduce our first ever Holy Shit Bella Go to Therapy moment of the week, um, which is the moment every week where it, may, it is maybe clearest to us that our darling Bella Swan is in deep need of some therapeutic support to reappraise her relationship behavior, um, which, to be fair, is honestly the whole entire book, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that this week, for me, Katie, it is the moment in which Bella tells us explicitly that finding out that this person that she's inexplicably horny for, who, once again, she's known for, like, 
15 minutes, is a literal vampire. And that has not changed her mind about her feelings for him or her perception of him at all, because, and I quote, if he wanted to hurt me, he already would have. Yup. Like, sweetie, yep. are you okay? <laughs> like, I feel like we maybe need to talk about some healthy relationship boundaries. I just, I don't know. I don't know well, if you like, read. Okay. I gotta say, though, I wonder if her decision to accept Edward and prioritize her strong feelings over her own safety and self has a lot to do with our own bad tendencies when it comes to prioritizing ourselves today. I think, honestly... This bitch is, like, doing that? Like, reading this as an impressionable youth that made us like that? The sad thing is that I don't think you're wrong. I think that... I think that Bella Swan's inability to uh recognize red flags is has just set a whole generation of young women up for relationship failure yeah it's rough y'all and i like one of the scariest things about this is that bella says that she can't get herself to feel the right kind of fear which makes me wonder if bella doesn't know the difference between being scared and being horny which then leads me into my favorite theory about this book. It's back, y'all. I'm not sorry. Bella has a car crash fetish. That is why. There's more evidence for it. Like, okay, she doesn't know the difference between being scared and being horny because she's into danger. Car crashes. It is time for her to process this shit somewhere that is not a relationship with a teenage but also geriatric vampire. No, she definitely has a car crash fetish. I didn't say in the last chapter, but there was, like, more evidence because she talks to Jacob about how she got his dad's or his uncle's car or whatever. And then he's like, oh, yeah, that thing's really slow. And she's like, yeah, it does good in a crash, though. Yeah, like, and that's, that was her attempt at flirting. And how would she even know if she hasn't gotten to a crash with it? She probably has. That's what she's doing. She's been fucking. That's what she's doing on the weekends. Ugh. That's in between her in between her sitting down and writing her entire essay for eight hours oh on a Sunday, God. which also happened. You know, speaking of um, weekends, I think it's time for us to dive into Bella's weekend trip. Oh my God! I don't, do we have the energy? I don't. You know what? I'm that? okay. It's it's. I know. I know, Katie. I know that this chapter is a whole ass mess. Okay, I. My commitment to you is that I am going to guide us through this chapter like Virgil guides Dante through hell, okay? Go ahead. I'm going to do it. However, I need you to know there's going to be a lot more yelling about rape culture. Cool? We were already starting there. All right. Here we fucking go. So, Bella's on her way to go dress shopping with Angela and Jessica, and while she tells us that the estrogen rush is invigorating, which sounds a little gay. she's gay. Gay. It's uh, Kristen Stewart, y'all. Yeah. She was, there was no hope for her. Which, which, real quick interjection before we get to the really dark stuff. Um, Kristen Stewart did the best with what she had. Her affect in this book is described as, I looked at them blankly. I said something expressionlessly. And then Kristen Stewart is getting punished for this. No, honestly, Kristen Stewart. Kristen I mean, Stewart. Okay, I gotta say, I mean, like, let's not lie. There is a part of me that might just be defending her because I am a bisexual white woman and it is in our programming to defend <laughs> Kristen Stewart at all costs. 
but she did exactly what Bella does. Which it's is true. Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Continue uh, on with this horrific chapter. Speaking of Bella moping, pretty much, I'm sorry, speaking of Bella doing nothing, pretty much all she does the entire time that she's on this trip is mope about how she hasn't seen or heard from Edward in a few days, which is super normal, healthy behavior. Nobody really seems concerned. Um, Bella reveals to us that she has never had a boyfriend or dated anyone before, which only makes every interaction that she's had with Edward exponentially more horrifying. Um, It's, I don't know what to do with that. So Bella totally failing at feigning cool disinterest, asks Angela if the Cullens are out of school often, and Angela tells her that they usually go hiking when the weather's nice. Bella tells us that she's beginning to like Angela because she doesn't talk much or ask questions, which is not at all a rude thing to say about one of the only people who's trying to be nice to you. Nice job. I Um, like people who just are there to serve my interests and do nothing. If they don't advance my character plot, they are worthless to me. (laughs) Um, So Bella spends some time pretending to care about the dresses and shoes that her friends are buying when she's actually just fantasizing about Edward's crooked smile or whatever. Um, At some point, Bella decides that she's going to wander off from her friends because she's sad about Edward, I guess. Uh, We literally don't get any other explanation. Also, I want to point out here, too, she's at a department store. Yeah. How? And she just wanders off, like, just walks down the street, like, I'll meet up with you later. I'm just going to look around. And somehow, the department store is close enough to downtown, like a cute little downtown, that she can walk there. And I'm so confused by that. What just, is the layout of this town in I, Stephanie Meyer's mind? If anyone has been to Port Angeles and would like to enlighten us, we would appreciate that. So, yeah. when do we ever get any insight into Bella's decision-making processes, though? So, this is where, (coughs) excuse me, this is where the shit gets truly wild. So, buckle the fuck up. Uh, Bella passes a group of grimy, which for her words, uh, for the record are her words and not mine, uh, she passes a group of grimy men and continues to get lost in what she is insistent on reminding us is the seedy part of town, at which point she notices that these dudes are following her. So I just want to take a brief aside here to say that the like frightened voice in the back of Bella's mind that warns her that these people might be something worse than thieves, and also the hesitation around looking for help because she's unsure that she was really being pursued is real as fuck. Yeah, that was so rough. I remember reading that as a teen and even then being like, oh my god, I know the stealing and being so scared and frightened. And then as an adult reading that, I was like, oh, not looking for help because you don't know if you can really prove there's a problem and you know you need to have that fucking evidence tight. That was rough. It's rough. And it's just like, this is, I think, the only time that this book gets the experience of womanhood right. And I Which think is, it's like almost so wild because I feel like that almost shows how it's so pervasive that even this pretty bad writer like just accidentally stumbles into something so universal because it's so universal. And that's that's horrifying. Um so uh, uh what is also horrifying is Bella's wildly classist description of the men that oh are pursuing God. her. Uh and so after that, she tells us that she's trying to get away from them. 
but ever our ditzy protagonist, she has no sense of direction. So she quickly realizes that the men following her have herded her like a calf to slaughter into the other half of their group, presumably to assault her. Uh, yeah. Bella, she realizes that's what's happening. She begins to prepare herself to take down these would-be rapists fucking Chun-Li style. That was um, cool as fuck. She was just like, okay, I'm going to use my purse either to like drop it or use it as a weapon. Like, yeah. I thought that was pretty tight. I mean, this is the only time that I find Bella remotely heroic. Um, Oops. So she's she's ready to square off with these with these disgusting human beings, and suddenly a certain stupid shiny Volvo owner comes swinging around the fucking corner to her rescue, <clears throat> and in further confirmation that Bella has precisely zero self preservation instincts. Her response to seeing the car coming is to throw herself into the road in front of it. She was like, they're either going to stop or hit, hit me and I don't care either way. Hey, honestly, who cares <laughs> which one? Wild. So Charlie needs to hide the gun. Like, I was <laughs> like, it's time for Bella to go to therapy. Um, so the driver of this car, and to be clear, we are left to presume who the driver of this car is. From her description of his flawless features, because she never actually says his name, he throws the door open, he tells her to get in, and she does it without question. See, that part didn't totally baffle me. I'm like, getting into the car without question, I get it. It's what comes next that I do not understand. Yep. So, what comes next is that Edward barely asks Bella if she's okay before he Does launches he us into a several pages long diatribe about his fucking man pain. And in a move so character- characteristically emotionally manipulative that it's honestly almost comical, he commands Bella to make him feel better. Oh my god, this is so fucking real. And just like... Bella the fucking vampire tamer is apparently now in charge of making sure that Edward doesn't murder everybody. Like, so they drive around for a while. Bella remembers that, like, oh, yeah, her fucking milquetoast ass friends are waiting for her at the restaurant. They're probably freaking out about where she is because they're, you know, like normal, decent human beings and not total pieces of shit. So Bella and Edward make their way to what I can only assume is like a knockoff Olive Garden. (laughs) Where... For the first time in this entire fucking novel, Jessica is a good friend and tries to determine if Bella's safe and actually wants to be alone with Edward. However, Bella, dumbest bitch alive, uh, can't wait to be alone with this literal monster man. So, monster man. Edward with a monster man. That's our theme song, everybody. You're welcome. Um, so Edward bribes the waitress to get them a private the table. Which I did not know. I didn't know that you could get a private table at the Olive Garden. <laughs> it wasn't private. It was just like in the section that they already had clothes for the night. Like... <laughs> That they weren't seating, but now they have this one waitress come over to seat that one section. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of the waitresses, Bella spends a whole paragraph making sure we know how much the entire waitstaff wants to fuck Edward in the walk-in freezer. Uh-huh. 
They probably did. Have you ever worked in food service? If a hot guy walks in, you are all just like, let's fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. Like, that's what it's like to work in food service. It's just like, chaotic sexual energy. Anyone remotely attractive comes in, you're just like, let's fucking do him. <laughs> so, Bella. Your wait staff is leering at you, y'all. Yeah. I promise. Bella manages to make it through the wait staff leering at her hot, hot piece of man candy. Who, by the way, I just want to point out, she tells us that he is wearing beige. <laughs> And tan. <laughs> I know. Beige. Light, beige. Light beige. He is the palest motherfucker alive. And he is dressed dark on him. In beige <laughs> and tan. So, seated across from this man dressed only in shades of his own skin, um, Bella uses this opportunity to ask Edward a series of hypothetical questions. And learns A, that he can read minds, B, that she is the only one whose mind he cannot read, C, that he followed her to Port Angeles to, and I quote, keep her alive. Using mind reading. For what is my question? Uh, and then, yeah, the D, that he figured out where Bella was because he was listening to Jessica's thoughts without his permission. You know. Without her permission, yeah. Yeah, like a fucking creep. Uh, so this chapter ends with our star-crossed lovers leaving the restaurant, getting into Edward's car, and Edward telling Bella that it's her turn, which is super chill and in no way threatening or ominous. Oh, for her to answer questions? Yeah. Yeah. That was it's, so it's fucking your wild. Turn and like, ah, uh, like literally she has, okay, at one point she has this fucking moment with him where he was talking about all the different times that her time was up. Or no, she's like, well, yeah, she's like, she's like, why do I have to keep saving you? And then she's like, well, maybe I was supposed to die the first time. And you saving me made it like final destination, which I think is fucking hysterical. She has like a She literally has a final destination theory that she was supposed to die. And now death is coming for her. Yeah. I took a note about uh, this also because it's so weird. And then he's like, the first time you were meant to die wasn't when you were in the car crash. And she's like, well, when was it then? And he's like. It's when you met me. And she's like, aw, it's so cute that you want to murder me. Yeah, like, she's like, so horny for this dude. It's like, she's literally, like, April Ludgate, but, like, sincere. Like, she's like, oh, it's so sweet you wanted to kill me, baby. Mm, I wanted you to kill me. I want to die, please kill me. I well, I mean, this, again, okay, also, I think it unifies our sexual for- theories about Bella, which is that she is just a masochist, and also that she loves... Pain. Car crashes. You guys. Oh, oh, speaking of which, there's more car crash fetish. Oh, uh, yes. Lay it on me. So, page 164, if you're following along. So, oh, God, this was fucked up. This was a real high school asshole bullshit thing. She finds out from her friends that the reason that Fish Eyes does not like her is because she heard that Tyler is going to prom with her because Tyler has been telling everyone in school that Bella is going to prom with him. That's the most high school ass shit. It was so high. Oh, my God. So Bella is rightfully really angry, because I fucking would be. I assume she sounded kind of like Rory Gilmore when she was describing her anger, though. Yeah. She was... 
She was like, if he's paralyzed from the neck down, he can't go to the prom either, I muttered, refining my plan. She's just sitting there fantasizing out loud to Edward how she's going to hit Tyler with her car, which I think means she is going to prom with him because that's just foreplay. Yep. Yes. You're right. Is that your favorite side character moment of the week, Katie? Is that reference to Tyler? Yeah. Yes. I think that's good. Um, I think it's, I think we can close out our time together uh, for this set of chapters with our favorite lines from the last chapter of this section. What is your favorite moment from this section, Katie? Oh, shit. Um, I don't know. I was so taken aback by this whole chapter being so terrible (laughs) that I don't even, I didn't even think of one. Well, no. I'll give you. It's okay. Do you want to hear mine? I really do. Because I feel like it has to be pretty obvious. You all, I don't know how we could have gotten through this whole entire chapter without talking about Do I Dazzle You? Oh, dude, that made my panties so wet as a teenager. Oh, God. I was like, ugh. I loved it. Who? Sorry. I was like finger fingering the air again. <laughs> I'm doing that again because that's how fucking wet I was for it. Dazzle? Do what I dazzle on? you? Like I just that just makes me think of like razzle dazzle. That's it's on one sixty eight. I think I still think that's kind of hot. Do you? Oh no. You haven't noticed? Do you think everybody gets the race so easily? He ignored my questions. Do I dazzle you? Frequently, I admitted. I that, have it highlighted. That gets you. I also have it highlighted. Uh, does that get you wet, Katie? No, but it definitely did when I was fifteen. It definitely did. But then again, so did Merlin. So like. Whatever. Oh wow. Oh man. Um, what are your hopes and fears for the next set of chapters? What's it called? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's, yeah, let's close out by... Okay, the next chapter titles are theory, interrogations, complications, and balancing, which is like a whole set. That sounds like, holy fuck. Katie, honestly, it sounds... sounds like a fucking... This is gonna be, this is gonna sound rude, and I don't care... But you reading those chapter titles in a row kind of sounded like a Ruby Core poem. <laughs> Y'all, that sounds like a whole arc. That sounds like the end of the fifth element or something. Theory, interrogations, complications, balancing. That's so, like a theory of writing. That's like something your writing teacher tells you is the, like the arc of a story. Well... I, for one, can't wait to see where the arc of the story bends next. Uh, Thanks, y'all, for joining us on this here episode of Summer Twilight Book Club. Uh, We love you so much. Thanks for reading this garbage book with us. Peace. Bye.